Welcome to the Hunter Farmer Artisan Podcast. I am super excited for today's guest. Today, I have Mandy Carlstrom from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. She is the communications director. Did I get that right? Communications lead. <laughs> lead. Darn it. So close. I was like, somewhere so in there. Close. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one thing I didn't ask you in the pre-interview. So, of course, that's the thing I would screw up. So, fantastic. Now that you've already corrected me once on my communications. Let's Off to a good you... start. <laughs> Let's have you go ahead and introduce yourself. How did you get into that role? Yeah, so I I got involved in the BHA role before I was, oh goodness. I think the best way to put it is I'm friends with somebody who's on the board and I was wanting to get involved and I was harassing him on what I could do to help. And I come from a background of loving photography and messing with digital creation on a very basic level. And so usually where I could help <laughs> fell into the making a banner or doing some sort of graphic thing, especially with that started with the access freedom shoot is where I really started pestering on helping. And so that led into the position actually opening up on the BHA board. And I had just started a new job and, so, you know, I, I want to make sure I can do a good job with it. So we'll hold off and that position was actually open for about six months. And on the side, I was still harassing my friends. Like, how can I help? How can I help? I want to get involved. And so it's like, all right, it's been six months. I'm comfortable in my role. And this is absolutely what I want to do. So that's yeah. what, what got me on the board was, I think, really just freeing up me, harassing my friend <laughs> and finding something that I could be a positive influence on with the board. Yeah, I definitely think that's part of the the wonder of the organizational structure of BHA is you do have this very volunteer-based attitude. Yes. Uh, it's one of the few organizations that I personally am a member of. I normally hate most things that you could even call any sort of a lobbying thing, but Backcountry Hunters and Anglers has a really great mission that I think every hunter should be able to get behind. It's keeping public lands in public hands. And yes. without a place to do it, we can't really hunt. Right. So, you know, <laughs> thank you for your work there. And the, the reason that I brought you on today, everybody has these different skill sets, kind of like you were already touching on. And the one thing that I really wanted to, to talk to you about was just messaging, hunter messaging how we present ourselves to the public and what we do. And it, it sounded a lot like that's actually part of how you got into hunting just in the first place. So you, like me, are an adult onset hunter, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wish we had a better term than that, to be honest. I, I don't, it's not, <laughs> yeah, it could be, it could use some rebranding. <laughs> it, it does need rebranding, I agree, but it, it, it really did stick. But no, yeah. you, you got into it through, like, how did you come about yeah. your hunting journey? So I I grew up in Washington State. I've always been outdoors. Um, I grew up fishing, riding horses, but I never got into the hunting side. It was always something that called my name, but nobody in my family hunted, uh, and I didn't have any friends that hunted. And so all I would ever see is the typical videos on the outdoor channel of people going out and it's that short segment of 
sitting in a tree stand, sitting in a blind, shooting a deer, everybody high fives, and then you move on to the next blind sit. And I'm, I'm interested in it, but it just, it, there was something missing. So I wanted to know what, like, what is that full experience? And I didn't see that until I found and watched Meat Eater. And right. what really hooked me, yeah, it was like, you saw all of it from start to finish to what you could cook in the kitchen to the memories and planning to camaraderie. Yeah, all of it. And so that was the final push (laughs) to get me more involved with that, more willing to take that step into it. Uh, Long story short, me and my husband both watched Meat Eater. I wanted to do archery. I grew up golfing. And so archery filled that void of that really meticulous aspect of it. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. totally get that. So that was a good transition. And, uh, four, four years ago, I wasn't feeling good enough to go out with a bow for opening deer for archery season. My husband went out with a muzzleloader and I decided to take our GSP out to the West side release pheasant release site for the first time. It's like, you know what? He's gun trained. He's a pointer. There's pheasants. I'll figure it out. I'm not going to be left out. Uh, 10 out of 10 wouldn't recommend that for the first experience, (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's zero a, out of 10 stars absolutely not it's it's a war zone you got to know what you're walking into on a west side release opening day but i was able to meet my friend who actually is a very avid hunter he's my friend who's on uh, the bj board and he actually helped get me and my husband involved in hunting even further so that's into the big game and, and really helped reduce the rest of those those steps so that was the between meat eater and then not wanting to be left out and then meeting the right people to really get involved into this world. <laughs> I really agree with you on that. The I've got thunder. I don't know if you can hear that, but my dog's absolutely yeah. freaking out. And I'm Gosh. my wife's actually hunting right now on our property. And if that, that rifle bear. shows, yeah, I hope so. Yes. I could have I could have <laughs> got that bear yesterday. I'm so stupid. <laughs> Uh, like, I don't even want to talk about it because I could have got that bear, but more importantly, <laughs> I could have put her on that bear. And I just, I was so brain fried yesterday. Oh, I just failed gosh. to even think, but going yeah. back to your thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, mentors, people actually yes. helping you out is such a huge portion yes. of getting into the hunting, because I don't think people who realize who've been doing it their entire lives, the, the people who get into it later in their life. It, it's saliently clear that the the knowledge wall is enormous. Yes. And and I, I mostly want to talk about messaging, but I, I know that that's such a huge thing for everybody who gets into it late in the game. It certainly was for me. What would you say was like one of the most challenging elements of just getting into hunting? Gosh, I mean, starting at the top is just where where to find information and who to ask uh it's it's so challenging to get the information but then to know how to apply that in the field because it's one thing i can can read a book (laughs) that's fine but leaving it and trying to recite it and do all that in a pressure situation is just entirely different it's who to ask and and then okay great you have that knowledge so can you go out in the field with me? <laughs> can you show me? And that's a whole other barrier because you get the folks who's like, I don't, I don't want to show you my spot. 
I don't want yeah, to give you, you the secrets. You don't want to burn a um, spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think for me, though, the most daunting part was what happens after. After you go out and you have that success and you get an animal down, what in the world happens? <laughs> what do you do at that point? That's exactly. super funny. I had the opposite problem. Me coming into hunting, I came into it from the perspective of just an avid chef. And I had been taking apart my own animals for a long time. So as soon as the animal hits the ground, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Getting it to that point, <laughs> I had no clue. And for me, it was... I had really failed to understand all of the botany that's involved. You know, understanding, oh, people are like, oh, you, you should look for Forbes or whatever that yeah, deer exactly. eat. What the heck are those? What are, what <laughs> are brassicas? <laughs> what, are, what are any of these things that you are saying that these animals eat around here or find their food? I don't know what they eat. What do they eat? Yeah. You know, oh, and that's still such a big, like, empty space in my knowledge point, too, for right. going out there that, oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. I feel like somebody could write a hunting book that is what game animals eat with really yes. good detailed pictures. And I think yes. it would be a New York Times <laughs> bestseller. So there's free idea to some author who knows more <laughs> about those plants than I do. I will pre-purchase. <laughs> right. So will I. It's it's cool to know that the appropriate message, and, and it was funny because I actually saw your post this morning on Instagram where yeah. you had you had talked about that exact thing, which is is funny because it was something that was so heavily on my mind at the time before you even posted it, in that it's really easy for us to just post about our successes. It's really easy to post that that classic grip, grip and grin, yeah. which is culturally important, but I think we'll touch on the fact that when that's the only thing people see, I don't think people realize how often we go out there and we fail. And right. I don't think that people realize that that moment where you finally get your animal is such an infinitesimally small portion right of hunting right i would love a description <laughs> of what you would think our social media would look like if we depicted hunting accurately oh gosh that is a whole other world and i think a lot more people would I think a lot more people would want to get involved with it to I mean that's that's the shortest answer to that I mean you're gonna see everything from the shenanigans that happen on the way out to the hunting spot talking with your hunting partner and probably drinking too much caffeine um oh, yes. <laughs> and having probably a horrible breakfast oh yes yeah <laughs> once again back to the 10 out of 10 would not recommend just don't stop at mcdonald's on the way out to the hunt it's just not a good idea despite Never how convenient <laughs> no <laughs> but there's there's all of those things that you build those memories and it starts before the hunt you know in, in the post that i put up it starts on the hours of practice with shooting the rifle shooting the bow but then it leads up to that pre-hunt the morning of your your sharing more into the little things that you notice and that goes from everything to you're sitting at the base of a tree and unfortunately dealing with ticks 
but you're also having, you know, the, the deer walk by and you've got the wind, right? So you're out for Turkey, but you've got a whitetail at 15 yards. that has no clue you're there. And one of my favorite things that happens to me every Turkey season. (laughs) Yes. Um, until they get around to the backside of the wind and snort and wheeze till the next ridge, um, (laughs) that (laughs) could go without. I have a doe on my property that will track me down. It doesn't matter the the hunting season. There's one doe that will come right behind me and, and I will be stone cold calm and I'll just hear. Gotcha. nearly jump out of my skin every time. Oh it's yeah. Like, it's really Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So you get those little things that just don't show up and then all the way through to to your point, you know, the actually, if you're lucky enough to get an animal, that's just an instant, hopefully, right? Everything goes perfectly. You're, you, it's just such a short period of time, but all of the emotions that went into that, it just comes to that boiling point too. And it like, you know, how much all of that means walking up to that animal. And so if you're able to convey that to somebody else on the outside and and I think that goes back to, you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. so the people that don't know inside of our world, they're, if we're not showing that, they're not going to go looking for it. They're not going to go out of their way. Yeah, and, and we haven't made it available to them right? in a lot right. of cases. And, exactly. and that's a good point because to, to us, because uh, I want to be really clear, when you get something, it's significant. Oh, my uh, gosh. It's, it's such a pinnacle for us yes. because it is it's the it's the focal point of why we're out there we're out there to get right. something to bring it home feed our families and have that right. but it's everything that goes goes into that that's hard to to convey and i mean right. that might be part of the problem is that it's it's much more complex to to right. tell that story like yes my first squirrel i and I, I am a squirrel geek, by the way. I, You're going to have to tell me how to make them not yell at me every single time I step. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's, t- I mean, honestly, just move kind of, kind of slow, but don't move like a predator and they won't bark at you too much. If you move like okay. you're trying to be sneaky, they'll freak out. Oh, if you gosh. move like, if you can learn how to be quiet but still kind of casual as you move they don't okay okay yell at you as much perfect <laughs> there's your there's your tip on that one good okay first but of all, i'm also sorry. the guy who will i i'm also the guy who will have like chipmunks right next to me and then be, go to point something out and gesticulate and immediately just start getting barked at like crazy yeah. by squirrels yeah. and my <laughs> my wife yells at me every time you you know we all know the hunter the the hunter version the whisper yell just that look. yes <laughs> yeah the look is all you need <laughs> exactly but for for that squirrel yeah i was brought to tears when i i killed that squirrel and it was partly because i really love squirrels and i was yeah. i was kind of sad about the li- life that i took yeah. i had also been fantasizing about going out and hunting squirrels for almost eight years at that point. Oh my gosh. Before I got one. 
So, yeah. and I had like this Squirrels of the World book. I had read several journals on squirrel behavior and they're like, I know, I know so many stupid things about squirrels <laughs> that it, it hurts my friends and family. <laughs> but it was, you, it's hard to convey all of that right. compared to showing you with a picture of the thing you got, you right. know, which turned into the best chimichangas squirrel Ooh. chimichangas are the way to go by the way i'm gonna need that recipe <laughs> i think i have it lying around i'll get it to you but that's the thing those yes. those that sharing element too when when yes. you talk about hunting how often you're taking that meat and you're then because nature was so generous with you right you want to share it with Everyone you know. I, I don't yes. know of a hunter who doesn't share their harvests. Right. I mean. Well, and it's such, it's such a different, it's, it's just different. And that, I think it's hard to describe that because if you're pulling that meat out to share, you've got every single thing that happened prior to you packaging it and putting it into the freezer. It's all, it's all there that prep time, the hunt time, that emotional experience of actually getting that animal down and bringing, like you have all of those things. And so I feel like it's as best as you can, you're, you're sharing the meat, but you're also sharing those experiences with hopefully who you're sharing that food with. Yep. Um, and it's, it's, it's just different. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I don't think a lot of people understand. And I, and I've never had a real negative reaction to it that yeah. I can recall, but I don't think a lot of people understand, at least from the outside, when you come into a hunter's home and they feed you and we talk about it, I don't think a lot of people quite grasp how, important that is to us until right. we're like yeah i spent a lot of time going after this animal this is kind of what happened this is how this yeah. this went down um you know i'm super excited about it because i'm gonna make sure that everything gets used and i want right. to make sure that you enjoy it <laughs> yes <laughs> so it's just it's it's just a different cultural mindset. And I think right. that the more we can share that culture, the more that we can share that meat. Um, right. And the more that we can share those stories, especially those stories of failure. Yes. I think, you know, I'm super guilty of this in that when I, when I fail on my hunts, I don't usually talk about it as much right. on social media because like nobody wants to, Nobody wants to go on social media and be like, hey, I suck at hunting today. <laughs> yes. But. And, uh, yeah. It's worth noting that I would say, you know, 90% of the time you go out there, you come home with memories. <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah, that's so accurate because social media is such a great platform in one regard, because you can reach so many different audiences based on what you tag, based on what you put up. You can you can reach a ton of people, but the downside to social media, to your point, is that there's so much pressure that's out there, regardless if it's a deliberate action or not. But you see so many people sharing the success and sharing. It's like, I go out and I get something down. I go out and I get something down. It's like, 
but I don't want to share if I don't do that because then, you know, it makes like, I don't want to feel like a failure, but using that good side of it to really share all of the experiences that we do have. And that's one of the things that helped get me involved in that, the BHA communications lead position is because I do want to help share those aspects and that viewpoint because to the people on the outside, they don't know. And if we're not trying to change what we're doing on the inside, it's not going to change on the outside. So it's not, it's not the bright, shiny object that people like to share, but I can guarantee you if we're having these conversations with you and me and a different hunter, like we're going to talk about all those little things, looking at it from the point of, we enjoy those little things. So why not share them? Why not share them? Right. And cause they're cool. I mean, I know some of the, the most awesome experiences I've ever had out in the outdoors and some of the more um, illuminating things that have happened have not been the times where I've packed a cooler full of meat and went home. Right. You know, I, <sighs> I love those. Those are great. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly I think that the, I mean, and the other thing is failure does make you more reflective. So yes, I, I, I think that, that it makes you a better person overall. But it is kind of funny that you mention those perceptions from the outside, because I do think that historically, um, at least recently, hunters have a perception problem. And it's kind of interesting because I know mm-hmm. you can actually trace that a little bit through language. If you hear the term Nimrod today you probably don't have a positive connotation to it do you know what that originally meant um so i had a nimrod pack and at one point i knew where that phrase started from and i can't recall it right now it actually means and sorry to put you on the spot on that no it's just like such obscure knowledge and i'm always curious when other people know killing Um, me because i i I had it last year. I had it. (laughs) It used to mean skillful hunter. Yes. And somewhere along that it became a derogatory term. And I bet that the time that happened is about the time that public perception of hunting started to shift in an unfortunately negative light. And I think that comes from so many different factors you have industrialization of our food sources, commercialization, you have shifting attitudes, shifting values of where people live. So many different things factor into that. But it all just means that here we are today in a place where a lot of people don't necessarily have as much of a direct connection to their food source. (laughs) And our representation of what hunting is becomes reality for the people who don't know as much about it and unfortunately also people who are really not fans of hunting their portrayal of what hunting is can be their their reality how do we navigate and improve that situation over time oh the the term it's not a sprint but a marathon comes to mind and gosh it's, it is frustrating to have to look through what you're doing with this lens back to, we know on the inside, our feelings and what goes into it. But if you're putting something out 
on social media or wherever you're sharing what you're doing, it, it just needs to be treated like a billboard. And if somebody driving by gets a glimpse at it, what is that impression that you're leaving? Can yeah. that be misconstrued? Can be that, can that be spun around to be a negative, right? It's not, I'm assuming best intent, it's probably not meant to be a negative, but looking at it through that lens of, you know, the other side of the aisle, it's definitely going to be, <laughs> right. uh, it, it can be changed a, a little bit. So it's, it's just really, really being aware of, of what you're putting out for anybody to see at any time. And that's, yeah, it's almost like that HR (laughs) message we all get, like, would, yes, now that you're working here, would you like your grandma (laughs) to see this? Would you like your pastor? Would you like your children to see, you know, that sort of thing? Because I I do think we need to have that level of care with how we put ourselves out there. And I'll tell you a story. I was recently getting fuel for my tractor. And so you get the off-road diesel. And I don't know if you're familiar with that, but there's usually only like one pump for off-road diesel in town. (laughs) That's certainly the case (laughs) in my town. And I waited for my pump for a good 20 minutes. And some cars got shuffled around and things had moved in a weird way. And I was like, oh, cool, I've got an opening. And I went and I, I drove up to it. And I grabbed my fuel tank and I put my my can down and I started filling up. And somebody came out of the ga- gas station just screaming at me. Are you serious? And I'm like, and I look over and I see the person's got their car. They're just pulled way ahead of the pump and they've got their fuel cap oh, open. No. So they were waiting. But I was like, it's the it's like a Kia Sonata or something like that. Right. It, yeah. They're not getting diesel. <laughs> at that pump but there's no there's no reasoning with somebody who's already ticked off like that and my first thought is when that happened was dang it i'm wearing camo right now when i do something stupid like this in public wearing camo i am that jerk hunter right i so didn't want that and i was trying to make (sighs) hands with the lady yeah and it she had nothing of it. She drove off. If if she would have stayed around for like five right. more seconds, I would have bought her entire tank of gas because I felt so bad and I just didn't yeah. want that to be the perception that's out there. And so that's a yeah. that's a case of making a mistake. Right. Because we're all human. We all do stupid things. <laughs> yeah. But also know that when you do stupid things for something that's already like in the image of right. the thing you're trying to represent you become the picture of all of it to everybody. Right. It you know, goes back to like, that billboard. <laughs> yeah. You see a political sticker on somebody's car and they do something stupid in traffic. You're always like, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and the, God, and the frustrating thing is too, is beyond just sharing the the aspects of the hunt and, and really trying to open that world a little bit more to the people that don't know, but hunters are and anglers and we're doing so many other good things as well between boots on the ground conservation work and helping and partnering with other organizations like there's so many good things that we can share in terms of a full community view on it and it just it's that's not happening either so in terms of other ways that we can help really just looking at our our PR for the hunting and angling community is 
sharing more from that in the hunt and on the table and the meals that you're cooking and, and all of that, but also like, what are you doing when you're not out pursuing what you love? Odds are you're probably spending some amount of time or some amount of energy or some amount of money to make sure that exactly. So it's like, there's, there's so many things to pull from, from this community that are great for billboards. And we just need to make that the fun, shiny, cool thing to share beyond just the, the grip and grins, which it's, it's, it's all of it, but I know a popular one. And it's one that has been funded by hunters. In fact, I know there's some projects around here locally that when I tell people about it, people get super excited. And it's just yeah. simple wildlife overpasses. Yes. You know, yeah. I've I've been I've never been in a vehicle where you've driven past roadkill and you're near a bunch of hunters. Every single time, there's always yeah. like that is a shame. Yes. You know. Yes. Yeah. You just you never. You, it's never not acknowledged when you have those projects where it's like, yeah, we're going to build an overpass in, I, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to remember where there's one, there's one really near where we did it. And I think BHA funded it. Um, yeah, we, you know. uh, we just helped with that I-90 to clear brush and whatnot along the fence. So at least in terms of Washington state, there's the I-91. That's the big one. That's the big one. Yes. And that's such a cool project. And that, that sort of thing is going to save a lot of animals' lives. And that's yes. coming from the ends of people who often gets ca- get cast as just trying to kill as many as possible. Right. And that's very much the opposite of where right. most hunters I've ever met are at, is we just want a healthy, happy ecosystem so that yep. we can enjoy it and do the things we want to do for the rest of our lives. Exactly. So, so if people want to help <laughs> and be involved with BHA, which I think is awesome, or just help in general, where yeah. would you recommend they go? What, what would you recommend they do right now? So I would definitely recommend uh, getting engaged on any of the social platforms that people are on, whether that's Instagram or Facebook or signing up for the BHA, spe- specifically the Washington chapter. There's also the um, newsletter as well that goes out via email for folks who aren't on social media and always head over to the specific state chapter page on the BHA website. We'll have a calendar. We have all of those events going. Um, This this year, we actually set out as a board to have seven uh, conservation projects in the seven different regions of the state. And right now we're just one shy of hitting that goal for the year. So there's, there's That's plenty awesome. of ways that people, yeah, it's. And you have time to finish it. And unless the snows hit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fingers, fingers crossed for mild till that project is. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's like last year where we went from like summer to uh, three feet of snow. Yeah. <laughs> How's that transition for you? <laughs> All right, oh, Mandy. Gosh. Well, it has been a real treat to have you on the show and I'm so glad you've been here and I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you're doing. And I know that I'm going to splice in some of your public testimony that you shared this last weekend because that's awesome. this new tradition that I've been doing. Yes. So thank you for being a part of that and for helping to protect what we love. Yeah. And thanks so much for you as well. Um, I'll share one last little bit. The One of the first times that I got involved with the commission meeting, because um, it was one of those things that I knew I needed to do 
and I finally listened to public comments and it's like, all right, so going forward, I'm never going to miss another one of these, but also I listened to your comment and just hearing the very articulate fact-based information, like you, the comment was exactly what that room needed to hear. And so that was what really helped model statements going after that. So thank you for everything that you've done for being involved for, with all of this, you know, it's, it's ground zero. And yep. um, so thank you for bringing to light everything that needs to be brought up. I think that was a gunshot. Are you serious? I don't think it was thunder. My dog's freaking out like a gun just went Oh off. my gosh. Okay. No. So... All right. You... We're going to end this podcast. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah. find out if my wife got a bear. It would be horrible of me to leave you waiting for an update as to whether or not Jillian got a bear. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the places that you can donate to help with this particular issue. And then we're going to play a testimony from Mandy Carlstrom. And then I will let you know what happened. There's a lot of places that you should take a look at donating to to help in this fight. That could be Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. That could be BHA. That could be the INWC. The list goes on and on and on. So please, if you have the financial means, go do that. If you have a little bit of extra and you want to support this show, then you can do that by going to ko-fi.com. That's K-O-F-I.com backslash hunter farmer artisan and you can leave me a tip like i said before i'm not trying to get rich or even make money on this show it's just a matter of helping out a little bit with equipment and software licenses so that i can try to bring you this information thanks and now here's that testimony from mandy thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today my name is mandy carlstrom i reside in kitsap county and today I'm here to speak on behalf of the Washington State Chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. For those not familiar with BHA, we are a nationwide organization which seeks to ensure North America's outdoor heritage of hunting, fishing in a natural setting through education and work on behalf of our public lands and waters and wildlife. The Washington State Chapter follows true to this mission statement not only through lobbying for beneficial legislature like, bio, like the biodiversity bill, but also by continually putting ourselves and our members at the heart of conservation efforts through boots on the ground projects. Just this year, we have helped with wildlife crossings, river cleanups, and miles of fence removal in crucial habitat, just to name a few. We support sound science-based policy, which will help perpetuate these opportunities that this state holds for our current generation and for those to come. In a state that offers so much, how can we not have a vested interest in the total health of Washington? We believe that through effective partnerships, we can be most efficient, working in tandem with other organizations such as the Spokane Riverkeeper, Trash No Land, and the Audubon Society, just to name a few. We're here because we want to work with the department and other like-minded organizations who truly care about all wildlife in the state. And in order to sustain these partnerships, there must be an underlying level of trust for all parties at the table, that we all truly have the same end goal in mind. Unfortunately, when good faith 
behind the actions taken diminishes, only turmoil and delays remain. The saying goes, perception is reality. This goes hand in hand with actions speak louder than words. When looking at the turmoil and delays, it becomes apparent that trust has disintegrated. In just the last two days, stakeholders have been told in almost the same breath not to be concerned that the current opportunities would be removed, only to be followed with that exact sentiment without the data to support it. You cannot tell hunters they're being dramatic, yet in the same meeting you tell them they should in fact be nervous. It's no longer fair to ask why there's public distrust when essentially all that's been done is lighting matches, tossing them in gasoline and asking why there's a fire. It's time to get your house in order and to take ownership of your part in just how we got here. Only then can we start to move forward. And once we're able to move past the current issues, it will allow us all to refocus time and energy spent on decisions and actions that will benefit not only the habitat in this state, but also species that call it home. That's what we all care about, right? Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today. It's been a pleasure to hear from other conservationists who have spoken up over the previous days as well. And I know that we are all looking forward to building a productive partnership with you moving forward. I know the pressing question that all of you are going to have is, did Jillian get a bear? And the answer is no. It was just thunder. Sorry to disappoint you, but that's how it goes sometimes. As we were saying before, most of the time you go out there and hunt, you fail. But that's a good lesson for life. Most of the time we go out and we try to deal with this commission problem that we're dealing with right now we're probably going to fail. It's going to feel like it falls on deaf ears. But as hunters, we know that if we keep trying, we're going to get this done. So keep fighting for the things you love because it's worth it.